With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Hey, it's Martine. A quick message before we start today's show. You may have noticed I am handing over the hosting reins for a few weeks while I'm off on a reporting trip, working on a story that I'm so excited to share with y'all. Until I'm back at the end of this month, you'll be hearing from my official new co-host, Alahe Azadi, as well as a whole crew of other guest hosts from around the newsroom, bringing you the most interesting and insightful stories of the day. Today, we've got reporter Shane Harris on tap. You know him, he is a great friend of the pod, and we're so excited to have him as a guest host. With that, enjoy the show. Is it tough for you as a reporter and also a person having to live in all of this to, like, separate those things? Um, well, I recently moved in with a roommate into a rental <laughs> uh, to save a little bit of money, and I sometimes look around the house and think that I would never be able to buy it. So, uh-huh. uh, and friends are certainly asking, you know, when they'll be able to have a shot at buying a house, and I don't have any good answers for them. Rachel Siegel covers the Federal Reserve and the economy for The Post, which means that for months now, she's been covering the Fed's fight against inflation and how that's showing up in mortgage rates. Today, we learned that the average rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage, the most popular home loan, crossed 7% for the first time in 20 years. That means it's going to get even more expensive to buy a home. And unfortunately, Rachel says this is just the financial reality Americans are going to have to deal with until inflation is under control. We've heard a really unflinching message from the Fed, which is that getting inflation under control is priority number one. And they've made very clear that they are doing that really at any cost. Their argument is if we don't get inflation under control now— We will have to swing that much harder to get it back down in the future. And they aren't really showing any signs of letting up anytime soon. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Shane Harris. It's Thursday, October 27th. Today, mortgage rates are the highest they've been in 20 years. Rachel is going to tell us what that means for the housing market. Also, why it's going to be even harder to buy a house. At least for now. So in real terms, what does an interest rate like this mean for someone who wants to go buy a home today? Well, it means that that same house is a lot more expensive. And the exact numbers might depend on how much for a down payment you can put down, how much the house costs overall. There are some buyers who are able to pay cash. But what it really means is that the same house is much more expensive than it would have been a couple of months ago or even a year ago. So if you're somebody who was thinking two months ago, I'm about ready to go buy a house, that decision may be on hold indefinitely now. Yeah, that decision might be off the table. It might not be as attractive an offer. Even if it was your dream home, you might be doing the math and thinking that a couple extra hundred dollars really just is not something you can swing. All right, so let's think this through with some real numbers just for a second to try and figure out what this means in real terms. So let's say you've been looking for a house, and a few months ago when mortgage rates were around 3%, you could afford a $400,000 house. So you plan to put down 20% of that amount, which is $80,000, and then you'd get a mortgage. In other words, you're going to borrow the rest. You're going to borrow $320,000. 
you would then pay that back over the next 30 years with an interest rate of 3% or somewhere around there. So maybe you'd be paying $1,300 a month. Now, with the interest rates at 7%, you probably wouldn't be able to afford that $400,000 house anymore because at a 7% interest rate, your monthly payment, it just spiked to more than $2,100 a month for the same house. So you then might have to look for a $250,000 house to keep that same monthly payment of $1,300. And that might mean you have to give up on the house or the neighborhood that you wanted or not buy a house at all right now. I mean, I remember when I bought my home eight years ago and we got a 4% rate. And my parents saying, you have no idea. When we were your age, you know, the rate was 11, 12. I mean, I've heard even stories as high as 18%. I mean, putting this in perspective, I mean, this is a big pinch for people right now, but are rates still historically very low or do we need to stop thinking about them in terms of that historic low that we've enjoyed for so many years? Rates still are historically low, and whether it's your parents or my parents or others, they likely paid a much higher mortgage rate for their house. But it's hard to click into that mindset if you are shopping for a home for the first time or if everyone that you know bought a house when rates were much lower over the past couple of years. Putting this in the context of what's behind the rate increase, right, is the Federal Reserve and its efforts over the past several months to raise interest rates in order to cool down the economy and try and tame inflation. So what effect has that had on the housing market? Well, the Federal Reserve does not set mortgage rates specifically, but it does set its policy rate, which is called the federal funds rate. And that is a very broad-based, somewhat blunt tool that is really the Fed's only tool in its toolkit to slow down the economy to cool inflation. When it changes that rate, which it's done five times this year, it trickles down and has all of these ripple effects through the rest of the economy and affects all different types of lending and spending and borrowing. And mortgage rates are extremely sensitive to anything that the Fed does. So as the Fed has progressively raised interest rates and done it very aggressively this year, there's been a huge run-up in mortgage rates that happen quite quickly, too. And it sounds like they're just tracking that Federal Reserve rate, sort of one leads the other. They're tracking, and it also means that they're not stopping anytime soon. The Fed is on track to hike rates two more times this year, including once more next week by another aggressive jump. And the expectation is that, you know, if 7% feels steep now, that we might look back on it in a couple of months and it won't be that high after all. So traditionally, when these mortgage interest rates go up, we think of prices for houses coming down, and they've been very high. We live in the D.C. area, but they're very, very high. So are we seeing places that are being hit hard by this where the market is being depressed, prices are coming down because of the rates going up? We are seeing it, and we're seeing it in a few different ways. Home prices are starting to cool really all over the country, including in big hot spots that saw this huge run-up in home price growth over the last couple of years Um, We're starting to see builders pull back. Builder confidence was down for the 10th straight month in October. Uh, There's refinancing applications are way down. Demand for mortgages are way down. Uh, You know, there's more interest in adjustable rate mortgages. All of these ways in which we see buyers start to pull back, that also has the effect of boosting supply. There are more houses that you might be able to find if you decide to shop around or houses that stay on the market longer than when there was this frenzy of people scooping up houses as quickly as they could. Are there places where the real estate market is still really hot and it seems kind of impervious to this increase? 
There are still places, and, and, you know, it's sort of a reflection of how hot the market became to begin with. So in all sorts of metropolitan areas, not just D.C., places like Phoenix and Dallas and Tampa and Boise, Idaho, the housing market just exploded. People moved there. The housing supply was not necessarily prepared. And all of a sudden, you had way more people shopping for houses than there were houses for them to buy. And even in markets where we're starting to see that ease up a bit, it doesn't mean that home prices are now at pre-pandemic levels. They're still quite high, maybe not increasing quite so quickly, but there would be a long way for home prices to fall if we were going to see anything resembling 2019 or early 2020. And we shouldn't expect that housing prices are going to drop down to, like, where they were a decade ago, right? I mean, it's, we're, we're kind of plateauing. Is that what it seems feels like? Right. The realtors that I'll talk to describe a plateau, and they don't describe a crash in the housing market. Mm. There aren't the same types of concerns that caused the great financial crisis that I'm sure is, you know, fresh in people's memories when they think about any issues with the housing market. But what the Fed is trying to do is not crash the housing market, but just get prices from you know, running up at such unsustainable rates that more and more people are priced out and that, you know, low rates really enabled that to happen for a long time. So the Fed raises its rates. The mortgage interest rates follow. Demand is cooling off. Maybe prices are stabilizing. Does the Fed look at this and say, mission accomplished? We got something done here that we wanted to achieve? The Fed can point to the housing market and say, here is an intended effect from our interest rates. We've been hiking rates very aggressively. We can see that what we are doing is starting to work in the housing market. A problem is that there are not all that many other sectors of the economy that they can point to and see that kind of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it success, but see that kind of progress. They are trying to tackle such broad-based and entrenched inflation in so many corners of the economy and in a lot of corners that are not as sensitive to interest rate hikes as the housing market is. And the housing market is such a huge driver of the economy, right? I mean, it's not just the house. It's all the appliances that go in the house. It's the furniture. It's the tiles. It's the everything, all this stuff that we think of. Is there a risk that by slowing down the housing market particularly when everyone's worried about a recession, that we drive quicker into a recession or make it deeper through what the Fed is doing? It's possible. There are a lot of economists who will tell me that the housing market is a bit of a leading indicator for where the rest of the economy is going. And if housing enters into a quote-unquote recession, that could pull more parts of the economy with it. You know, you mentioned the tiles and the appliances. That's contractors. It's construction workers. It's people who drive trucks all across the country to transport tiles from one end to the other. And all of those things put together make up this much broader fabric of the economy that travels with the housing market, too. So if the goal here is in part to increase the supply of housing, is there a risk that this policy is counterproductive then? It's tricky, yeah. yeah. And, and this gets to the limits of what the Fed can do. So the Fed seeks to snuff out demand in the economy. They want fewer people shopping for houses. But they can't build houses. They can't increase the number of houses to meet this huge shortfall. Some economists put it at 5 million single-family homes that the country is short. They can't build houses. And if anything, raising interest rates for a construction company or any of these businesses that would otherwise need to invest or spend money to build these houses, that becomes more expensive. You know, it's more expensive to build a house. You might have people who are skittish about wanting to build a new house. So it's a bit of a cycle that is not necessarily all that helpful if the goal is to get more houses built in this country. 
is one way to think of this, too, that if the Fed's goal in raising rates is to curb inflation, right, that's goal number one. Is the housing market potentially sort of an unintended casualty of this if it goes the wrong way and the supply is limited and it doesn't actually lead to people being able to afford a house? It could be. I think that there are ultimately some, you know, walls or ceilings that Fed policy really bumps up against. Another consequence could be that if you have fewer people who can buy homes or can afford to buy homes, that steers them back into the rental market. Well, there's way too much demand for rentals. Rent inflation is extremely high. And then you have the same problem, too. Too much demand, too little supply. It's hard to build more rental apartments. So in that way, housing is a really core issue that in some ways responds to interest rate increases but can't be solved by them altogether. I mean, the Fed doesn't sit down and think I – mean, they understand that these are potential knock-on effects, right? So when they make a decision like this, do you have a sense of do, how they weigh whether it's a good idea or a bad idea to raise the rates knowing that it could have all these unintended consequences? Or do they just have to say, look, these are the only tools we have. They're big and they're blunt, but we have to do something. I think it could be more the latter. The Fed acknowledges that interest rates are blunt – It is the main tool that the Fed has, and in a lot of ways, it's an imperfect tool, and it's a tool that can cause pain. Fed officials have warned that in this fight to get inflation under control, there are consequences that come with that, and we're all waiting and trying to keep a very close eye on what some of those consequences might be and how painful they are. After the break, Rachel and I will talk about what this means for renters. And we're going to hear from a man in Texas who is trying to game out how to keep his housing affordable with all of this uncertainty in the housing market. We'll be right back. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. I ask this next question knowing that I don't want to raise the anxiety of people who are renting and who are thinking about buying Such a home. myself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, is this just, like, the toughest place to be right now? Like, if you're renting and you, the rent could go up, but the mortgage rates are going up and you're just, like, you're watching everything so carefully. I mean, is this—it feels like renters are really in the point where they could get squeezed the most, particularly with inflation, and you're not getting any benefit out of homeownership and you're not getting equity. So, I mean, it really does feel like renters are just in, like, this tough spot. A tough spot from from all sides, you know, whether you're worried about your rent very suddenly going up when you have to renew your lease. I've spoken with people who were suddenly alerted that their rent was going to go up $500, $600, $700 just for them to be able to stay there or their landlords were going to sell the property because they knew that they would be able to get much more selling the house than they bought it for. And homeownership, you know, is, is considered in this country this huge economic milestone, this huge investment in your economic footing and future. And as that becomes farther out of reach for people at, you know, later stages in their lives, that can really carry beyond this murky, precarious moment that we're in now. Is this experience changing that conventional wisdom, do you think, that are more people saying, you know what, maybe homeownership isn't all it's cracked up to be? Maybe. And and we might wait and see to answer that question, but renting is also difficult. You're also, you know, wary of whether your rent is going to go up, whether you'll have to be, whether you'll have to find a new place to move. I rent and friends of mine describe, you know, punting for a rental that maybe they know is not going to be within their budget, but would allow them to stay 
close to where their job is or mm-hmm. close to where their friends are, close to their family. And these are all considerations that just boil down to being able to keep a roof over your head, uh, which is becoming much, much more expensive in this country. So, Rachel, our colleague Abba Batarai recently interviewed somebody who lives in the suburbs of Austin, Texas. His name is Tim Vanzile, and he's a renter. And he's going through a lot of these questions and anxieties right now about what he needs to do. Should he stay? Should he buy? Should he try to stick it out? So let's hear a bit of what he had to say. I I, I get, you know, like, hey, if we make things more expensive, less people are going to buy them. But on certain things, we've still got to have the housing. We've still got to be where we've got to be. And, and it just, it, you know, the American dream people already feel is becoming more and more unattainable. And I, and I don't know that this helps. So there's somebody who says, yeah, I get what the Fed is doing. I know why they're raising these rates. we got to bring the inflation down. But I'm the one stuck here, unable to buy a house. I think it is this reflection, too, of some of what the Fed does is is somewhat intangible. It affects the financial markets or it affects business investment or types of lending or spending that maybe you don't experience day in and day out. But you do know what your rent costs. You do know what your gas costs. You know what your groceries cost. And these are all categories that have become way too expensive or much more expensive than is sustainable in economy. And until those are back down, any sort of, you know, push to get them back down or any consequence of what the Fed is doing, you are also going to feel. It's going to feel very close to your life in a way that might not feel very good for a very long time. Uh, I also heard somewhere there's an election coming up. Uh, And I'm sure the administration would like to take credit for addressing inflation as soon as possible. President Biden clearly is keyed in on that. He understands the vulnerability that is for Democrats. How long do we need to wait to see the impact of the Fed's most recent hike when it comes to that all-important goal of taming inflation? That is really the million-dollar question because we don't know. Interest rates do not click in automatically. And even though the housing market is very reactive to them, the way interest rates move through the economy changes over time. They sort of seep through the economy over this long lag period, which means that all of the rate hikes the Fed has done so far and the ones that it still has to do won't hit fully until next year. That could mean, though, that they either hit and get inflation down in a way that the Fed is aiming for. But it seems that more likely they will slow the economy so abruptly, not just the housing market, but all different types of sectors, that we enter a recession. And that obviously has political consequences. It has consequences for the way people live their lives every single day. And it's a question about when we'll start to see that really come clearer into view. So how should Americans be thinking about their finances right now? Do you think we should all be saving up for a recession, socking more money away? It's so hard to give advice in such a confusing time. It does seem, based on expectations that economists have and people that I talk to, that there is a growing risk of a recession sometime next year. It does not mean that it would be as severe as the recessions that maybe are front of mind for people, the Great Recession, the severity of the COVID recession. The hope is that if the economy does slow down in order to get inflation under control, that it will not be as painful as those times. But we don't know yet. And if that means saving now or not buying that house, if it feels like it would really stretch your budget or finding other ways to look through your finances and see how you're doing— That might be the time. 
Knowing that these these tools have such a long lead time, is there a point at which the Fed looks, let's say we go into a recession sometime next year, is there a point at which the Fed says, this is too deep, it's too much, we've got to pull back? Knowing that that pullback might take a while, but are there things that they will look for to know like, oh, no, 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 this isn't working, we have to reverse? They would look for a couple of things. And again, it depends on when they look for them. But they would look to see what is happening with inflation. You can look under the hood and say, okay, are there ways in which we can see that inflation is just not budging? And what are the reasons for that? Are they not budging because of supply chain issues? Are they not budging because Russia invaded Ukraine and caused all these other global economic issues? Is there something going on in the financial system? Things that maybe an interest rate alone cannot solve. They're also going to look at the job market. They're going to see, are people losing their jobs? Are businesses no longer hiring? Are people, uh, you know, being laid off in this sector versus this sector versus this sector? There's a way that economists can look at what's happening with the unemployment rate and say, that looks like a recession. These are all things that the Fed has to look at at once. But as you mentioned, it depends on when they look. And when they look might be too late. It might be before the full thrust of these interest rates really come into view. And the decisions that they make now will have a huge bearing on what each of those looks like in the future. And are there signs they'll look for in the housing market to tell them what to do? They'll likely look for what is already happening. They'll start to see, you know, is is there a more precipitous plummet? Is the housing market cratering? Are people pulling back altogether? The housing market might also be an instance in which that does what the Fed wants it to do. But the problem is that there might be other parts of the economy that behave differently. Housing really is this huge signal of where the economy is going and a huge way in which people feel the economy. Sometimes the economy can feel very abstract or the things that the Federal Reserve does can feel very removed from our day-to-day lives. But whether it's an interest rate hike that affects a mortgage rate or rent going up, I think this is really one of the ways in which people feel what is happening in the economy day in and day out. And it will have enormous consequences for the way their own financial lives shake out. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and explaining all of this today. Thank you, Shane. Rachel Siegel covers the Federal Reserve and the domestic economy for The Post. This story was produced by Maggie Penman. Abba Bhattarai contributed reporting. And that's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Sam Baer and edited by Lucy Perkins. I'm Shane Harris. I've always loved being on the pod, and I'm very thrilled to have been your guest host today. Thanks for having me. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. With Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.